and put your uh, spiritual safety belts on because we're going to go moving tonight. All right? So we're going to look at, if we can do more, a pattern, okay? I'm going to say up front, the pattern has this in it, that a man listens to a woman, in particular his wife, and it brings lots of trouble. But this is not a diatribe about women and the bad things they do to their husbands, all right? Not it. We're going to learn a principle tonight, all right? And that is listening to the wrong voice, because you're also going to see in this theme throughout the Bible, including some of the New Testament, that it's not just women that men are listening to. And by the way, I'll tell you up front, we did this in our, our D group with couples last night. This isn't mainly about women making mistakes and influencing their husband. It is that, but it's about weak husbands who don't follow God when told the wrong thing to do. Sometimes they're told the wrong thing by their wives, but let me tell you this, not just their wives. And we went on after that last night a little bit in our thing about having strong men in our home. We need that at Faith Baptist Church. So follow me. Here we go. Two voices in Genesis 3, the fall of man. You have Satan's voice and God's and their rival voices. That's the the, uh, theme tonight. And they have a choice to make, Adam and Eve. And God has given them a responsibility. You can read in the text that God, in chapter 2, gave Adam these responsibilities to cultivate and to keep it. To grow it and guard the, the, uh, the garden. Um, he did not give the prohibitions to eat from the trees till after Eve was created from Adam. She did not hear those seemingly from God. They were told her by Adam who gave them, that were given to them by God. So she was told, here's what you can and can't do. And Adam told her those things because it was his job. Naming in the Bible means that you have authority over things. And Adam, if you know in chapter 2, had all the animals come before him, and he named them, and he named them based on what he knew about their nature. So he knows snakes don't talk. But he had the talking one come, and he stood by his wife by the tree that was forbidden, that he had told her God said no, and knew it himself, and said nothing But he chose, they chose eventually, they both listened not to the voice of God, chapter 3, verse 10. But he listened to the voice of his wife. Read the verse and underline this phrase, 317. And to Adam, God said, listen, ready? Because, here's the problem, because you have listened to the voice of your wife. And ultimately that led to disobedience. And it's not just because his wife was bad, but he did not choose to listen to God's voice when his wife's voice counteracted that which was mimicking the devil's. And that foundational pattern, now watch, is going to follow all throughout the Old Testament. And I'm going to give you a bunch of examples. Write this down, that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter that in that sense, Adam had never sinned. It doesn't matter how great you are and all the things that God has used you to do. All of us, every one of us, you, look in the mirror, all of your children are all susceptible to listening to the wrong voice at grave consequences. Next, turn over to chapter 16. Two very good people so far that have fallen to the wrong voice, Adam and Eve being one, Abraham and Sarah number two. Genesis 16 and verse 1, the pattern is repeated. Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. Although they had already 
twice been given the promise of God in 12 and 15 of Genesis that they would have a child of their own and from them would come nations of people, not just one, nations. So they've already been promised, but years and years, and I say decades have passed and that promise hasn't been fulfilled and they're now, especially Sarah, tired of waiting. And so she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Sarah said to Abraham, behold now, The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. So here's what she says. Not part of the story and plan. Go to my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. Underline the the phrase again. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. He knows that God is going to provide. But they decided to do it on their own ways and their own terms. They ran ahead of God. And they did not listen to his voice, and it led to disobedience. And you know who's born from it, and the nation that came from it, and the antithesis and the conflict and the wars that resulted of that one choice of not listening to God's voice. Let's keep going. Chapter 27, another patriarch, Jacob. Chapter 27 and verse 8. Rebecca, Jacob's mom, again, man-woman combination. Not a wife this time, so that's why we're, it's not just about wives, it's about the woman-man combination. Rebecca's his mom. Jacob is second-born, not first-born. He doesn't get the birthright, and he won't get the main blessing because he's not in line for it. God has and desires to reverse it, but they do it in the Jacob way. His name means supplanter, schemer, and he lives up to that name very well because here's what Rebecca tells him to do. Now, therefore, my son, it's going to be three times in this text, obey my voice. And he says, to, it's going to be in verse number 8, number 13, where she says, his mother says to him, let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice. It ends when he, she has to tell him, now you're going to have, you obeyed my voice, now you're going to have to run for your life, so obey my voice now, down in verse number 43. So Jacob listens to his mom, takes her scheming advice, fakes like he's Esau, and gets the birthright and then eventually the blessing. But he tries to do what God wants him to do, but he wants to do it his own way, manipulation, without trusting or waiting on God. The pattern continues. But God is good that he gives us an alternative. People who don't follow the pattern in the same book. Turn to Genesis 39, and now you have Joseph... And Potiphar's wife. Again, the man being talked to by the woman. And up until now, the uh, score is three Satan, God, zero. (laughs) So far. Joseph, now watch, in the most difficult circumstances of the people who follow this pattern, he has been sold as a slave, which by Judah, by the way, talked to all of his brothers who listened to his voice into selling him instead of Reuben who wanted to take him back home. Again, voice choices, right? So here it says that Joseph is confronted by Potiphar's wife. And it says in verse 8, But he refused to sit and said to his master's wife, Behold, he hasn't, he's given me charge over everything in your house. I'm paraphrasing. Everything I'm in charge of. No one in this house is greater than he is, than I am. And I've kept, he's kept nothing back from me except you, and here is his wife. How could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And here's the thing. 
She keeps, her voice keeps coming day after day. And, and George is right. We, you know what? The sexual revolution every day, it's on the TV. It's in becoming in curriculums in our schools. It's in the internet. It's on the movies. It's, and everybody's promoting it that you should see all that stuff as normal. And th- here's the part that wears us down. It's every day. Every day. And, it's, we, and us as parents, here's what we have to keep telling. We have to keep telling our kids, no, no, you can't have that phone yet. You can't watch that. You can't go to that movie. You can't stay overnight at your friend's house. You can't be a part of that. You're not allowed to dress like that. And you know what? After a while, you say no, 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 no. It gets hard, doesn't it? You want your, don't you want your friends and your, and your kids to like you? You do. It's hard, isn't it? Listening to the voice and making the right choice every single day. But here's what he says. It says in chapter 39, and she spoke to Joseph day after day, ready, but he would not listen to her. And he made steps so that he wouldn't have to listen to her. He made provisions in his life, and so should you, and help your teenagers so that you won't have to be told no all the time because you're proactive in saying, I'm not even putting myself in those situations. But you have to have God at the center of your life because that's what moved him to do all of that. How can I sin and do this great wickedness? He viewed sin and viewed God the right way, and it was enabled him to make the right choices. But he made good choices in that situation. I'm going to just tell you, don't even turn to the rest of them. Job is under incredible amounts of suffering. In chapter 2, chapter 1, he lost everything he had, all of his own, all of his riches, all of his children, all 10 fresh graves in one day. Chapter 2, Satan is allowed to because God said he could. He now touches his body and he ruins his health, the only remaining thing he had left. So basically, in his life, from a human perspective, he thinks he's lost everything. He has. And on top of all of it, the man-woman thing, and ready? His wife tells Job, why don't you curse God and die? Like Joseph, Job is a patriarch who does not listen to the foolish voice of his wife. And he makes this choice. I listen to God. I listen to God. That's the choice I make. And we don't have time to go into Samson, who listened to Delilah, lost his eyes over it, lost his life eventually over it, because here's a man who thought he could handle listening to Delilah, and it didn't find out that he couldn't until it was too late. So let me apply that to you. I would tell you that you need to have for your children that they should have all kinds of covenant eyes and locks on their phones. There shouldn't be anything that you wouldn't monitor on their phone, on their TV. You should monitor who their friends are, where they go. I'll tell you a mistake that we made. You should not. I wouldn't let my children stay overnight at anybody's house anymore for multiple reasons, and we can talk about that in another time. But I would tell you that we have to be able to say that we can handle it. That's why a few weeks ago in this text, on Wednesday night, I preached the verse, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. You think that you can handle it. You think your kids can handle it, that they would never do those things. I had a, Michelle's okay me. I had a sister who could do all those things wrong, and we learned in our family the hard way. And you're making a mistake to think that you can inundate yourself 
with social media, TV, movies, and all that, and it's never going to have a problem or make problems in your life. To listen to the wrong voices is destructive, minimally lethal, perhaps. We don't even have time tonight to do Proverbs chapter 1 and chapter 9, where the wisdom of Proverbs says, the foolish, wicked, adulterous woman She stands in front of her house, and here's what it says, and with her voice she calls out to the simple. So there are, that's a woman of foolishness, and she calls out, and people turn into her house, don't, they listen to her voice, and they wreck everything. Compared to, in Proverbs 9, to the wise woman who is virtuous and godly, she also calls out. And so here's the picture, is that everybody has two voices, the foolish ones and the wise ones. They're women. They're calling out to you, and it's the man-woman thing on a larger theme, thematic basis. And here's what it says, who will you listen to? Who's the voice that's really impacting and influencing your life? I'm going to do you one more. And then we're in application. You get into the New Testament, Acts 5, you got Ananias and Sapphira. Again, the theme runs into the beginning of the church. And you got Ananias and Sapphira who are basically reenacting Adam and Eve. They both know what they're doing is wrong because they conspire together and listen to the wrong voice. They are both knowing they're wrong. They're both hiding it from God. Because they don't really confess it ever. Even when they're confronted, they lie about it because they're hiding about it. See, at the beginning of the church, just like the beginning of creation, Ananias and Sapphira are doing the exact same thing. And the pattern runs from the beginning all the way through the New Testament. And people have this problem. We have this. You, I, have this problem. Is that we listen to the wrong voices. I, listened, I wrote down these applications. Satan is a wrong voice. Watch. Nobody debates that. But you know where the most voices that were wrong, that influenced and destroyed marriages and lives and families? It was in your own home. And I'm going to broaden it and say, not even just the people in your own home, true. The things you let in your home, through the internet, your phone, TVs, music, all kinds of things, clothes. It's that was the number one thing in all of this thematic role throughout the Bible. And it wasn't just that. It was groups. Groups of people who listened to the, all of Joseph's brothers, listened to Judah, and they made a mistake that was catastrophic. It was horrific. God reverses some of these things when you do and changes it all around. But we don't depend on that. We should do, be doing the right thing. Jesus can I say, is the ultimate model and application because he was in the desert, not in a paradise, Adam and Eve, not with two people to confront and to support one another by himself, not in a paradise, a wilderness. Like they came, Satan came to them in Mark 4, I'm sorry, Matthew 4 and Luke 4, he comes to Jesus and he's tempting Jesus. And did you notice the language he uses? God has said, the scripture has said, I hear you, your voice, Satan. And you know what I, can, I, can, I, can, I fight it with? God's voice. Jesus didn't just pray the scripture. He quoted the scripture. He lived the scripture. And when he was confronted with the voice of Satan, he could combat it with the voice of God. 
Can you do that? Can your children do that? Are you training and discipling them to do that? Are you working through it? Do you blindly and ignorantly turn on the TV, listen to music, shop at certain stores? And those are all just the external things. I'm not even talking about the attitudes and the desires that are the root cause of all those things that we make choices for. See, that's it, the voices. I'm going to close with the remainder of the outline. I didn't even do the outline. Can you believe that? It was all introduction. <laughs> Here's the voices that were there. You know why they listened to the voice of Satan? Because they wanted, instead of God's voice, they wanted the voice of pleasure. Good thing Joseph didn't give in to it. The voice of pressure. So you need to know, in your kids, when you are offered pleasure... Here's what you, how you say no to that voice. The voice of pressure to do what everybody else is doing, to do what someone else tells you is right when you know it's wrong, and they put the pressure on you. That's one of the voices. And you need to know how to, to handle that and teach them how to do that. And the voice of pride, Ananias and Sapphira, they wanted to do and show everybody I'm this on the outside, but they weren't that on the inside. And they listened to the voice. And, and here's what, you see this? Why has Satan filled your heart? That's what he's telling them with their money and how they wanted to come across to people. Peter, in one verse, Matthew 16, says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, he is listening. It says, God has revealed this to you. It's his voice that you're listening to. And it's not even a few verses later where Jesus, Peter comes to Jesus and said, you're not going to a cross. Come over here. And the Bible said he literally grabs him and shakes him. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's how quick we can turn. I'm listening to God's voice and make a huge declarative statement how great you are. And in the next breath, I'm telling Jesus how wrong you are about the cross. And I'm talking like I'm listening to Satan. Listen, if that can be Peter, who walked with Jesus, what about us? What about us? We all make voice choices. All of us. Every single day. Big ways, small ways. And if we make the wrong choices, and our kids make the wrong choices, I'll say it again, it can not only be destructive, it might be lethal. Whose voice are you listening to? Let's pray. Oh, Father, just following this thread, this biblical theological thread through the Bible, gains us much much ground and insight and understanding. We are inundated, surrounded by, and even more so attacked by rival voices. And they seek God none other than to drown your voice completely out. We have been doing that in our government. We have been doing that in our schools publicly. We are doing that in our culture. We cannot, as a church, we cannot as families, we cannot as individuals sit around passively thinking that all of those voices will never have any impact. We must learn to make voice choices. We must learn to discern the distinguish between your voice and Satan's. God, help us as parents. Help us as Christians. Help us for those who love you and want and desire to please you to be able to listen to your voice. Saul did not. And he listened to the voice of the people. 
he eventually listened to the voice of a witch. And it cost him everything. Oh God, have mercy on us. Give us ears to hear your voice instead. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.